You can turn your Bibles this morning to 1 Peter chapter 1. Yeah, our kids are heading downstairs. 1 Peter chapter 1, starting with verse 3. This morning we're going to be talking about reasons to praise the Lord. We think about this idea of praise, and we just spent, you know, half an hour or so singing God's praises. And we think about praises, praises um, are a recognition of goodness. Like, have you ever been praised before? Like, anybody ever looked at you and said, hey, that was awesome, what you did there, what you built there, that work that you did, or uh, that music that you made, or whatever the case may be, that, that was great. Feels, feels good, right? It feels good to receive praise. It feels good to, to give praise. And when we do something like that, we're just recognizing the goodness that we see in other people. And it's the same with God. God doesn't need our praise to feel good. That's not the idea. But we, as his sons and daughters, we recognize his goodness, and that just wells up inside of us into praise and honor and glory unto the Lord. And last week, we began this series on the letter of 1 Peter. We talked about how this is a letter, and it follows the normal forms for letters at the time, where there's an introduction where the author introduces himself. He addresses the recipients. He says, you know, this is, uh, these are the people that I'm writing to. And then he, what's typical for a letter like this at this time is some word of praise or blessing or a prayer, something like that, before you launch into the meat of the letter. So we spent last week talking about this book and the the greeting, and today we're going to look at the section where there's a blessing or a praise unto the Lord. Would you read with me this morning? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an, internal, and into an inheritance that can never perish spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Through, or though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you're receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven, even the angels long to look into these things." Uh, so we think about this passage, this, this word of praise to God. And as I read through that, I find it to be really dense. Like, it's really kind of complex. There's a lot that's going on here. 
And what's interesting, when you look into the original language, uh, those verses are all one sentence. If you think the English is complex, you should, you should see it in the original language. It's, it's all one big, long, connected thought for the reason why we are to praise God and the reason why we can rejoice. And so, first we're just going to be talking about this call to praise God because God is worthy of our praise. He, he exclaims, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this word praise means to speak a blessing or to speak well of someone, right? It's just like recognizing those good things and announcing it. Lord, this, These are the good things that God has done. And he outlines what God has done for us. If you notice here, he says, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. So first of all, he, he points out that our God is a God of compassion, that our God is a God of mercy. He, he looks at us and he feels for us in our condition. Even though we were rebellious, even though there are times when we reject him and we, we disobey his, his word, uh, his way of life that he calls us to, even in the situations while we were still sinners, God had compassion on us, God loved us, and he sent Christ for us. He showed mercy in that he was willing to withhold the punishment that we deserved, the penalty for our wrongdoing. He was willing to withhold that and instead give us new birth in Christ Jesus. This word new birth is um, the word behind the idea of being born again, being born anew, that God gives us new life in Jesus, that, that death no longer reigns, but we are made alive spiritually and we become alive to God and reconnected with him. And it's all based on his compassion for us. God just looks at us and loves us. And part of that new life then is that we have two things. We have a living hope and we have an eternal inheritance. And here it says um, that he has given us new life into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. In other words, we can have hope that is living and active. We have this eager expectation that God will fulfill his promises to us because we know that God raised Jesus from the dead. It is through the work of Christ and the power that raised Jesus from the dead, that is what gives us hope. So no matter what you're facing today, no matter what the situation is in front of you, it's not hopeless. You can rely on the God who is able to raise people from the dead. And if you're looking at something in front of you and you want to despair and it seems like that thing is dead and there's no hope for that, remember, our God raises people from the dead. Jesus was raised from the dead. So we have this hope that is, a, is alive and we're looking forward to God delivering on his promises. And secondly, it says that we have this eternal inheritance. This is an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. 
and it's kept in heaven for us. When I think about this, what, what is an inheritance? Well, generally, we think about an inheritance as things that have been stored up and that are passed down from generation to generation to generation. Now, for the people of Israel, uh, very much so, they looked at their land as their inheritance, right? That God gave them uh, a place to live as an inheritance, and that land would be passed down uh, throughout history. Well, we think about this, our Father God has something to pass on to us. He has something for us. And when we think about the way that we store things up on earth, like generally those things waste away, right? You ever put something in a closet or put something in your basement and you go back and it's just like disintegrated or it got mold on it or it fell apart? And even though it was just sitting there, it's just kind of just decays over time. We know that when we store up food in the back of the refrigerator, you go back in there, that, that, stuff's, that, that stuff's nasty, right? But, but this thing that God has stored up for us is not going to perish. It's not going to spoil. It's not going to lose its luster. You know, it's going to be in pristine condition when God passes it along to us. And notice that it's kept in heaven for us, and we're pointing to this idea that one day we will fully experience the goodness of God. There'll be no more tears, no more pain on this earth, no more grieving. And we look forward to that time when we can receive what God has stored up for us. But notice here, it's not only uh, that inheritance that's being protected or kept uh, for us, but we are also being protected to receive it. Notice here that it says that the inheritance is kept in heaven for you who, through faith, are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that's going to be revealed. So in other words, what this is saying is through faith, we are being guarded by God's power. This word for guarded, is a, it's a military term. And it describes like if there was a, a city that was about to come under attack and you were to take... Uh, a bunch of troops, and that you would station them in that city to protect that city against the enemy. That's the word here, that, that God is coming into your life to protect you from anything that would attack. And you are being protected by His power, not your strength, not your ability to endure it, not your ability to overcome it, but it is God's power active in our lives that guards us until the day that we receive that inheritance. Now, notice there, there's an active part for us, though. It says that we we are protected through faith, our trust in God. So we have a part to play in trusting Him to look after us. And as we stay in this trust relationship with God, He will protect us from anything that attacks, from anything that seeks to destroy. He will be our shield, and He is our guarantee that we are going to receive the inheritance that He has promised. So Peter says, these are all reasons to praise God. Think about what He's done for you. Think about His mercy. Think about how He has given you new life into a living hope how he has an inheritance for you and he's protecting you until that day. I want you to praise God, understand where you stand in him and praise the Lord. 
And he says, in all of this, then you can rejoice in your salvation. He says, in all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by the fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So he begins to talk about the joy that we have that, that, that results in praise. And he's talking about all the things that God has done. He says, you can, you can greatly rejoice. This is like just exuberance, right? Like how do you express joy? Like I, I'm pretty low-key. When I'm excited, I'm like, yeah. You know, like I'm like, yeah. But, you know, there are times in life where it's like, yeah, like that's, I'm, I'm excited about something. And this is what he's saying here. He's like, we need to be excited that God has chosen to save us. And he says that that kind of joy can be with us even in the midst of trials. Like even when things are hard. And he says that for a little while you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. So many different things that life throws at you. Whatever it may be. Maybe it's sickness. Maybe it's um, someone coming against you and, and opposing you for being a believer in Christ. Maybe it's just someone being obstinate at work and being, being a thorn in your side, so to speak. Whatever it is, you can have joy in all of those situations. And notice here, like, this, is, this is real suffering he's talking about. He talks about the idea of grief. It says sadness and, and sorrow and heartbreak, distress, like being just stressed out because the pressure on you. And he's like, even in the middle of that, you can still have this abiding joy. He's, I want you to know that this, this suffering that's on you is, is just going to be for a, a little while in comparison to what we have awaiting us in eternity. And he gets deeper into the sufferings that they're dealing with a few chapters into this book. But this is the kind of just introduction to this idea. He's going, hey, I know you guys are suffering. I know you're dealing with some hard stuff, but I want you to remain steadfast in faith and I want you to know that you can still have joy in the middle of it. He says that these sufferings, these trials, will be worked out for a good result, that, that God is in the midst of them. And he says, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith may result in praise, honor, and glory. God will allow hardships in our lives at times to strengthen us, to strengthen our faith. We want our faith to be proven genuine. What this word means is tested. When you put something to the test, you strengthen it. You remember like being in school and you had a test and how stressful that was and just cramming and trying to study and trying to learn. Like Hannah just took the CPA test, and I know you guys heard a lot about it, but man, she studied and studied and studied and studies, and that's all she did for like two months was just study nonstop. And then the day came and she passed the test, and I'm like, yeah, I was jumping for joy then because like we worked hard on that, and not just her, we worked hard on that, all of us did, right? And i just so, ex so excited, and I'm like we're one step closer, and one day after she passes three more of those, she's going to have CPA after her name, right? And it's just a, a statement that she is genuine and you can trust her opinion on those things or whatever, right? Like, 
that's the idea here. We want to be tested, and we want to pass the test. And he says that idea of being proven genuine is more valuable than gold. And he gives this illustration. Like when, when we uh, mine gold from the earth, it has to be refined, and it's put into the fire, and all the impurities are burned out of it. And he says even with gold, like even when you refine it, it's ultimately perishable. It's ultimately going to be destroyed. But your faith and the proven genuineness of your faith is way more valuable than that because it's going to last forever. And whatever test that you're facing, if you stand firm, it will result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ returns. Christ is going to receive praise, glory, and honor, and you're going to receive praise, glory, and honor because you stood the test. Next he says, he's talking about Jesus Christ being revealed. He says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. This is the idea that our trust in Jesus will bring about our salvation. It's just speaking of the realities of the times that they live, right? Jesus Christ, he came to the earth, he announced the kingdom of heaven, he declared, I repent for the kingdom is here, and then he died on the cross, he was buried, he was raised from the dead, and then he ascended into heaven where he sits at the right hand of God, right? So at this time, Jesus has ascended, he sent the Holy Spirit to indwell his disciples. And so Peter's just saying, hey, you didn't walk with Jesus while he was on the earth. Peter did, but these believers didn't. You guys, you guys didn't see him physically, but you fell in love with him because he's present in your life. And you don't see him now, even in the middle of your suffering, but you believe in him. Or that, Remember, that idea is trust. You've got an ongoing relationship with him, and you trust him to take care of you. And that we just need to be reminded that we live by faith and not by sight. No matter what's happening right in front of us, just don't get stuck on it. God is doing more than we can think of. God is doing more than we imagine. And the result of that is, again, we rejoice. We're, with, like, we're so joyful that we don't even have words to describe it. It's, it's inexpressible and it's glorious joy. This exuberance of thanking God for all he's done. Why is that? Why are we able to rejoice in the middle of those sufferings and those trials? Because we are receiving the end result of our faith, the salvation of our souls. This is just pointing to the fact that God will save our whole being. We can rejoice in the suffering, not because it feels good, but because in the midst of it, we know that God is working out our salvation, and he's going to bring good out of it. And that is the basis for our great joy. Now, as we get into this next few verses, it's a little odd for me in the way that it's connected. Um, it might feel that way for you, but I think that there are some important, some important things that we can learn as we read these verses, and it's connected to our ability to praise God in whatever situation that we find ourselves in. So, verse 10, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with greatest care, 
trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Again, it's a little complex. Let me see if I can just summarize it. He says, hey, there are these prophets that God sent to announce what he was going to do. And what he was going to do is save you. He was going to show you grace. And you want to know that in those prophets, the Holy Spirit was working. The Spirit of Christ was working, pointing to the realities of what was going to happen with the Messiah, that he was going to come and he was going to suffer, he was going to die, but then he was going to be glorified, right? He was going to be raised. That's, those prophets, they were shown that they weren't just serving themselves when they announced what was coming, but they were serving you guys, the recipients of the gospel. And the same Holy Spirit that was at work in those prophets was at work in the people who brought the gospel to you. And this is all so important that even the angels are like, hey, what's going on? This is cool. Let me see this. All right? So there's a summary, and I think that there are some lessons here that we can take away as we think about the situation of these prophets and what's going on and how this enables us to praise God and rejoice even in the midst of our suffering. All right, so first of all, we don't want to take our salvation for granted or, or treat it lightly. Think about this. The prophets, it says, they searched intently and with greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances that this was all going to happen. The Spirit working in them was showing them that God was sending a Messiah. God was sending a Savior. God was going to deliver, and they're looking for this salvation. And they are eagerly trying to figure out when is this going to be because they are hungry for the salvation of God. And the question is, are you hungry for the deliverance of God? They put some effort into trying to figure out, like, God, when are you coming? How long is it going to be? We want to see our salvation. Do we have that hunger and thirst and that desire within us? God, I want to see you move. I want to see you heal. I want to see you deliver. I want to see your power on display for your glory, God. The salvation that we've received. In other words, he's telling the people here, um, you guys have received what they hungered for. You guys are experiencing what they longed for. Don't treat it lightly. Take hold of it. Take hold of what's been offered you in Jesus Christ. We have this experience that we can be grateful for that people before us only longed for. Secondly, we can take comfort in the fact that Christ also suffered and was glorified. He references their suffering for a little while, their grief. And we need to know that God himself was not above suffering, but he came and he suffered and died on our behalf. This should give us courage because if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we need to understand that we are going to be like our master. We are going to be like our savior. And we ought to expect some suffering in this life. But the good news is that even though we suffer 
like Christ suffers, we're also going to be glorified like Christ was glorified. And he's reminding them that Jesus Christ suffered and he was raised and glorified, and this is our hope and this is our future. That even in the midst of hardship, we look forward to that deliverance and that glory that awaits us. Third, as I think about the situation with these prophets, this truth stands out to me. And that's this. What we do in the Lord may not be for our immediate benefit. I don't like that. Because I want to work and I want to get rewarded. You know, like I want to you know, go to work, punch the clock, turn in my timesheet, get the paycheck, take it home, spend it, enjoy it, whatever. But that's not necessarily how God does things. Yes, there are benefits. There are always benefits in serving the Lord. I'm not saying that there are no benefits. But sometimes the work that we do is not for us and our immediate enjoyment and satisfaction. We're not serving the Lord so as to serve ourselves, but we're making ourselves available to serve the Lord to serve other people. Think about the situation these prophets were in. God uh, had given them the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was announcing the coming of the Messiah, and they're like, yes, we want that, we want that, we want that. And God says, no, that's not for your time. I'm setting it up generations later. And the work that they did, many of those prophets, they spoke and they announced the kingdom of God and they called people to repentance and they were rejected. They were abused. They were ignored. But they were faithful to God. And the end result was the salvation of many people, even though they didn't live to see it. So we have to be willing to come under the Lord's leadership and say, God, whatever it is that you have for me to do, I want to be faithful in doing it, even if it doesn't feel good for me right now, or even if I don't see the immediate results that I want to see. God, you have a plan. You have a purpose. These are things that you're working out, and I just want to go along with you and do what you're doing and be in your presence and serve by your power and trust you with whatever results that you have. God might have us in a place that doesn't serve our immediate desires, but I want to be a place where I'm serving the Lord and His purposes. This is encouragement to us because it means that whatever we're suffering through, whatever it is we're feeling in the moment, God has plans and purposes for it, and we can rejoice and take comfort in that, even though it may not look like anything is happening right in front of our eyes. And finally, the encouragement that we see here is that the Holy Spirit is always at work pointing people to Christ. And this is something that we can take comfort in and something that we can rejoice in. He was at work in the prophets when they announced what was going to come. And he was at work in the people who spread the gospel when they announced what had already come. The same Spirit is working to draw people into life in Jesus Christ, into relationship with our Father in heaven. 
The Holy Spirit longs to point people to Jesus. And so when we're in a season where God is using us to, to share our faith and uh, God is using us to show love and kindness and mercy, we can trust that we can rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, that it doesn't have to be just us mustering up the strength through this trial to just deal with it. But no, it's God's power in us to help us to overcome and to stay faithful in announcing the good news of Jesus Christ. So this morning we have reasons to praise. We have reasons to be filled with joy. And we praise God for this new life that he has given us in Jesus. It's available to us through the resurrection, through the power that raised Jesus from the dead. And in this life, we have a hope that is alive and active. We don't need to despair because God has an internal inheritance for us in Christ. He is a gift, something that he's going to pass along, this life that is never going to die away. And so we rejoice in the salvation that we've received. We rejoice in the forgiveness of sins. We rejoice in God overcoming death in our lives because we are now found in Christ. Even in the middle of whatever trials we're facing, whatever opposition we deal with, we can have joy because God will deliver us. And so we take heart and we stay faithful and we worship the Lord and watch Him work in our lives. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, I thank you for this time that we've had to study your word. Lord, you are worthy. You are worthy of all praise and honor and glory. And God, we thank you for the salvation that we have in Jesus, how we have been made new, how we have been forgiven, how we've been washed clean. God, we thank you that we are guarded by your power through faith. And through our trust in Jesus that you bring about our deliverance. So Lord, I pray that you would work in us and that you would build faith in us, that you would let faith rise up in us and that we would trust you to lead us into the good things that you have for us. And help us not to take it for granted, but to worship you with all that we are. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.